way to their seat, and that's good. <laughs> I'm going to stay fully aware that that uh, we're baptizing folk at the end of the service today. I plan to finish just before a little about, about 12, and that would put us finishing the baptism about the time we normally finish our service. So let me get right into my message this morning. I started thinking this week, what would I say if the Lord were to put me in the place that I would be preaching my last sermon to you? Not necessarily my last sermon, but my last sermon to you, to this church. And I decided that uh, there are certain things I definitely would want to say, that I would plan to say, and then there are some things that I would say without fail and without challenge. I definitely would say some things. I would consider many things, but I definitely would say some things. And I'm talking about a message that will be speaking to you, not, not to, uh, uh, not to a, 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 a homogeneous group of people where there may be many unsaved and a few saved, but I'm talking about a message that I would preach to this church. I don't want you to get the wrong idea about this. I don't think I'm anywhere near preaching my last message yet. I'm not saying farewell. <laughs> I have no intention of going anywhere until Jesus comes. So, so this is just something to put an emphasis on a message that I think that probably you should have. And this is what I want you to receive from me today. If I were preaching my last sermon to you, and I look, I look from my memory at the time that the Apostle Paul was with the Ephesian elders, and he had been with them between two and three years teaching them, and he had gone on to another field of labor, and he asked for the elders to come meet with him. You'll find all this recorded in Acts chapter 20. And when the elders of the Ephesian church came to him, as he had requested that they do, and he started speaking to them, he told them a number of things. But it all is summarized in what he said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. When he declares how he preached the gospel to them, and he said that he is declaring to them a summation of what he had said. And all the time that I was with you, teaching and preaching and ministering the gospel, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And that I want you to hear from me this morning. I believe that I have declared to you, as God has shown it to me, the whole counsel of God. If I were to have to meet the Lord today with what I have preached in this church, I would feel content and satisfied that I have followed the leading of the Holy Spirit and that I have declared to you the whole counsel of God. So that was, that's what I want to bring to you today. If I were preaching my last sermon to you this morning, I might say, check the volume on your battery pack. I don't know how to do that. I know where my battery pack is. 
but I need some expertise in checking the volume on it. I don't need a whole lot of help with volume anyway. <laughs> I don't think there is a volume adjustment on this battery pack, frankly. I really do not believe there is. I believe it's on or off or mute is all there is. I got it. I got to stick it back on my belt now so it won't fall down. If it falls down, it'll drop the whole microphone off my head. I got to make sure it's steady. All right, now, I might say and probably... Anybody have another microphone for me? I'm going to make sure. I mean, is there any more microphones I need to use? <laughs> I will try this. This is, this is be, before they have things like this, they have things like this. Didn't have even a wireless when they had a cord on it. You had to stick it in a stand. It was so big, you had to stick it in a stand to be able to get hold of it for you. Now you've got a wireless. Do what? It's the same thing. Be patient. <laughs> this is called the red mic because it. So glad he did. 
I got thin enough. I did not want to waste the rest of my life. I wanted to spend every day that I had, every way that I could, serving God, doing something for the building of His kingdom. And God lift me up, moved me into a place. And that's why I'm the pastor of this church today, because God lifted me up and put me here. You got me in a way it just don't matter much anymore. So here's what I'm going to say. If you're not faithful to God in church, you're not faithful to God. I'm not building a church here, folks. I'm not looking for church attendance. I'm looking to say something to you to bless and benefit your life. If you find yourself staying out of church, staying out half the time, you'll find yourself. Now, there are exceptions to what I'm saying. Of course there are. I know there are folks that really don't, are not able to come. But I do know some of you, when you're able to come, you are here. So I'm not talking about your missing. I'm not trying to hit you for missing church two or three times. Please don't think that at all. I'm talking about people who consistently make the decision, I'd rather do something else than be in the house of God. That's what I'm talking about. I know there are those of you who do miss sometimes, and you miss preferring to be here. If that's true for some of you, say amen. Amen. So... So that's enough about that. Don't fall behind in your accounts with God and keep your giving up to date. This is the last Sunday of the month. Next, therefore, next Sunday will be the first Sunday of a new month. It's a good time constantly to look and make sure my accounts are up to date with God. I've given what God's told me to give. I've given what God's laid on my heart to give. I've given what God's in His Word has said for me to give. And I want the blessings of God on my life, and I want the blessings of God that are on my life to continue, and I will give to God. I'm not raising money today, folks. Paul said he taught the Philippians about giving, not to gain an offering, but to be a blessing to them so they would know the truth. That's why I'm saying this, to be a blessing to you so you'll know the truth. I don't raise money by preaching. I tell you the truth, and you give as unto the Lord. And if you don't, the consequences are on you or not on me. If I don't teach you, they're on me. If I teach you and you don't do it, they're on you. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching, Pastor. 
So the other, and another thing I might say, I might say that it's time for people to make a decision. Christian people living for God, it's time to make a decision to live a life separate from the world. This is the day of the renewal and the revival of holiness. That may not be a popular word with us, and it's certainly not a popular word with the world, but it's one of God's most popular words. He said, be holy as I am holy. There's a standard that we ought to live by, and the Bible makes it very clear that we are not to be caught up in the philosophy, the teachings, the ways, the processes of the world. We are to be apart from that, connected with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and living by the truth of God, not by the teachings of the world. The world will tell you something contrary to the Word of God. And when it does, it's telling you wrong. You listen to the world. And I will tell you this. You won't find the philosophy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mind of God re revealed in the headlines of the newspaper. Nor on the comic pages. Nor on the sports pages. You may think, this, oh, this is a wonderful thing. Look, here's a testimony for the Lord. It's all right to read the paper. It's all right to watch TV, depending on what you read and how long you do it, depending on what you watch and how long you do it. But to make yourself connected with the world more than you're connected with God by His Word and by His Holy Spirit is a detriment to your spiritual life, and you will lose because of it if you do. I have a problem. At least one. <laughs> I care too much about the news. I just care too much about it. I don't like that I'm that way. I, I, I'll be glad when the elections are over. I, I started to say I'll be glad when all the lies have been told, but I know that won't be the end of the lies. So no need to say that. <laughs> but I will say this. I, 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 I'm, I'm better than I was when the election started. I'm better. Did you know, and I'm just going to say this is just a digression. I know, but do you know that though we live in Clay County, and when I moved over here, I thought, oh, I'd be glad to get away from some of the corruption when I've been all around for all these past several years. I got here to Clay County, and I found that politics are nastier over here than right anywhere else I found. I mean, they're scurrilous, hateful, ugly, nasty, lying things that are told about candidates running for office in this county. You'd think that no good person would want to run for it. I mean, really. But just, I would just keep this in mind if you haven't already voted. And I hope you will vote. And, well, you better vote if I hear anything about you that you didn't vote. I'm going to be coming to your house and knocking on your door. And pray that you vote for the right people. But just remember, charges that are made against people running for office are just charges. They're just charges. They're just allegations. They're just accusations. We talk about accusations all the time. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. We say that about, about Christians. The devil's attacking them. There are people running for office who have, who've had more lies told about them in the last 30 days than they had in all their life before. So I'll just, I'm not endorsing any candidate. I didn't call any names, didn't name any party. In Clay County, you don't have to name any party. If you're going to win, you got to be a member of one party that's going to win. That's all it is. So whether you're a Democrat, Independent, Republican, if you don't register as a Republican and run as a Republican, you know, 
Biden office. Those people are going to move to Clay County if they want to run for any elective office and they want to have a chance to win it. They're going to become a Republican quick, at least in names. So that's a good point of it. But now I'm through with my digression and back to my main point. Don't get yourself entangled with the world. It's all right to stay up with the news, but don't let the news be your Bible. It's all right to have some time for entertainment. Don't spend more time in entertainment than you do in the Word and in prayer and in the presence of God, letting God speak into your life. But I will tell you something I will definitely say if, if, when the time comes, if it does, if it does, but I'm preaching my last sermon to you. I will tell you something I definitely and positively will say, that no matter what we know and have learned about the Word of God, about walking with God, no matter how close we become to God, involved in His power, in His supernatural demonstration of His glory, and I believe in all of that, that is not what ought to capture our attention in living the Christian life. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talked about the spiritual gifts. He talked about the working of miracles. He talked about great faith. He talked about wonderful, supernatural glorious things happening by the power of God. And then he came to the very end of the chapter after all that about gifts of the Spirit and the power of God, the manifestation of the Spirit. And of course it's all true. That's why he taught it. I believe it. Seek God for it. But I also know that the Apostle Paul said something that you and I need to know and remember and that is at the very end of chapter 12 he said, and with all the glory and power, demonstration, supernatural declarations of God's power that I've talked to you about, yet I show you a more excellent way. There's a greater way than all that chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians talks about. And that greater way is fully expressed in chapter 13. There weren't any chapter divisions when Paul wrote all of this. So he just went from one thing into another. All of these spiritual gifts, here's the wonderful, powerful, glorious truth of how we're to live in victory with God. This is what the Apostle Paul said. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. I'm a bell that rings with no authority. I'm a sound that comes out with no life. There has to be love governing the Christian life for one to live in victory. We're talking about an agape love that says God is first. And I put the believers in the family of God and their welfare and their benefit and their blessing above my own. Paul taught it clearly, forcefully, and powerfully. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You need to read all of that chapter. Read it carefully. Let it speak to your life and realize that there are things in there that he wants you to know and to live by. In verse 5, I, I'm, I'm picking places now because I, I've used my time. I'm, I'm picking places. Verse 5, this is what he said. He describes love in these, starting at chapter 5 in the next four verses. He describes love. He said, love keeps no record of being wrong. <laughs> if we can 
Love does not demand its own way. In fact, I interpret a part of that verse to say, and I've said it many times, love does not demand its own way, which means love gives up the right to be right. You don't have to be right. You have to walk in love. Your opinion may be the right one, but it doesn't have to bring up a prevailing one. It doesn't have to be the winning one in the discussion. Love gives up the right to be right. There's a lot of people I'd like to say that to. But they're not here right now. At least all of them are not. Some of them. <laughs> so love gives up the right to be right. You know, this is what, what Jesus said when he talked about turning the other cheek. He's not really talking about if somebody comes up and slaps you, knocks you around, slaps you. He's not saying you're supposed to turn the other cheek. He's using this in the same kind of metaphoric language that he did when he talked about if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it at something. That's the language that he's using when he talks about turn the other cheek. What he really is saying is that he is saying take no offense. Do not allow yourself to be offended by some action or word or event. Do not allow yourself to be offended. Because if you become offended, my friend, you will begin to lose spiritual ground. You will lose the discernment of the Spirit of God developing His will in your life. You will lose the victory of the Lord when you become offended. It doesn't matter if you become offended. It doesn't matter who it is. You can get offended at the pastor, or you can get offended at his wife, you can get offended at the church secretary, you can get offended at the head usher, or you can just get offended at the person sitting beside you. For whatever reason, pick your reason. That's usually what people do. Pick their own reason. But when that happens, when you allow offense to come into your life, and you give it a place, somebody said something, somebody did something, you thought somebody said something, you thought somebody did something. And you become offended by it, you will begin to lose ground with God immediately when you let that offense take hold in your life. Now, I'm telling you what I would say to you if I were preaching your last sermon. That's, that makes it solemn to me. This is what I would be sure to tell you. Because I have seen more people lose ground with God overtaking an offense at something. I could start naming you people right now throughout this church. Of course I'm not going to do it. I know some of you want to egg me on and you won't. I could because I know I don't know everybody that's that, that, that's bothered. But I know some that is bothered. And I know some that are not here this morning for one reason only. They are offended. And if you say to them, well, I know you're offended. Oh, no, no. This is the first thing that somebody's offended says. First thing they say. When you say, I'm sorry you got offended. Oh, no, I'm not offended. Oh, no, no, I would never get offended. Oh, no, my Jesus is greater than that. He would help. I wouldn't get offended. Oh, no, I'm not offended. Oh, yes, you are, and we know it. I'm going to tell you just one thing, and this is true. One thing. Let me see. I'm not going to tell all of you. I'm going to just say this. 
people not in this church right now because someone didn't speak to them. Now, do you want everybody to speak to you? I don't care if some people don't speak to me. I'm not talking about any of you. just simply be they were walking by and looked the other way and didn't see you. Uh, I know that we find that almost impossible, that I wouldn't be noticed. That, that, that I can't believe he didn't see me. He saw my friend over here. He saw my son. He saw my wife, my husband. He saw, well, why didn't he see me? I don't know why he didn't even speak to me. Well, why don't you just go up and say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. I almost missed speaking to you today. And I'm so glad I didn't. I'm glad to see you. Well, you know why you wouldn't do that? Because that's what a spiritual person would do. That's what a spiritual person will do. Not grieve or take offense because somebody else didn't speak to him. But go take care of the matter in the Lord. I wish I had all the time this morning to preach this whole message. Uh, i tell you what I'm going to do, though. It's so good I'm going to save the rest of it and come back and give you part two at a later time. <laughs> if I were continuing this message, I would talk more about 1 Corinthians 13. I would talk about Jesus in the wilderness temptation. I believe in praying this week the Lord gave me a different view of that temptation. I do believe that the effort of the devil in tempting Jesus was to create an offense that Jesus would hold against Father God. I can define that to you and declare that to you, and I'll cover that at a later time. And then I would finish up with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, where he speaks again about that love chapter 1 Peter is talking about it when he says, Above all... Have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean that your love can take care of somebody repenting for their sins. It means that love will not accept faults in someone. Love will not exaggerate faults in someone. Love will not accentuate faults in someone. Love will say there was a reason for that. There was an answer for that. Love will say, that person is probably stumbling. That person is having difficulty. I need to pray for him. I need to help support him. I need to encourage him. Not be offended because of something that was said or done. That's what love will do. And love in that sense covers a multitude of sins. This is what the Amplified Version says about that. Love overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. Take no offense. So if I were preaching my last message, one thing I would definitely positively say is follow 1 Corinthians 13 and take no offense. This morning, 
a little bit different closing this morning because we're having baptism today. And while people are coming up here who are going to be baptized and getting in place for that, I want to make sure that you have a at least a basic rudimentary understanding of baptism that I'm going to uh, share with you right now. And as soon as folks are up there ready to be baptized, I'll go back there and we'll show you how beautiful your baptistry is going to be one time for today. What a baptism is baptism only if it's by immersion. That's what we believe. Uh, people practice baptism by sprinkling. They practice christening by taking holy water and putting the cross on their head. And all kinds of other ways are done that's called baptism. In the scriptural terms, only immersion declares the testimony of baptism the way the Apostle Paul taught it in the revelation of the New Testament gospel. Because baptism is an outward sign of salvation. Baptism does not save you. It won't forgive your sins. It, it, it won't make you a new creation in Christ. That is done by faith. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, baptism, or anything else. Not of works, lest any man should boast. That is by faith. And so, when we baptize someone, we're letting them declare openly and publicly, I have received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That's what being baptized says. So when the person is baptized, then they're taken in the water, down into the water. This is why immersion is the only way that expresses this. Taken down into the water, they're taken down into the tomb with Jesus. Symbolically, as Jesus died on the cross and was buried in the tomb, they're taken down into the tomb with Jesus, where sins were dealt with at the cross and in the tomb. And then when Jesus came forth in newness of life, he walked out of the tomb. So when we bring the person up out of the water, they're coming out of the water to testify of a new life, walking in a new life with Christ, walking in the victory of the Lord, walking in the power of the resurrection. That's what water baptism symbolizes. So if when you were baptized, if you were baptized by immersion, that's what it meant. I have folks, I view several of you here. I don't know how many, several people among you have said, Pastor, should I be baptized again? It was a long time ago when I was baptized. Well, first of all, keep in mind, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. We're not a liturgical, ceremonial church. We don't say that there's the grace is in the baptism. The testimony of the baptism is what's so important. Baptism in the Holy Spirit or the, is not the same thing as water baptism, of course. I'm talking about water baptism now. To be baptized in water, it symbolizes a new birth. You died to sins. Your sins are buried in the tomb where Jesus died. With the power of the Holy Spirit, he came out of the tomb. He came up out of the water with the power of the Holy Spirit with the ability in the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the way of a new life. So if you have been baptized by immersion, you don't need to be baptized again. If you were not baptized by immersion, I'm not going to say you're going to lose heaven if you were baptized again, but that's the one case that I wouldn't recommend somebody be baptized again if they, because I don't think you were baptized the first time if it wasn't by immersion. Again, not to be dogmatic, but just to be what I really believe the scripture teaches. Now, having said that, if you were baptized in the past, Maybe things change in your life and you went away from God and came back to God. You feel like you want to be baptized again? That's perfectly all right. I told somebody that were asking me this question that didn't very well satisfy. I said, well, look, I would baptize you every month if 
Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It, it says the same thing every time. But if you've made a decision to walk with Christ and you've come up out of the water, that's your testimony. You've made that testimony. That's saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's what coming up out of the water in baptism is testifying. So you're making a statement in that. Now, I think we probably are about ready to get started here. So I'm going to go back and uh, let's sing the song while we take these past couple moments here. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Standing on hold. 